0: welcome to middle school matters podcast number 611 faster than the columbus method we've got uh, some ai stuff for you we've got jokes for you we've got some resources for your classroom so without further ado here's the wonderful the magnanimous the mr Troy patterson
1: all right welcome back to the show i am troy patterson with me is the world's greatest co-show host Mr. Sean Megar. Hey, Sean.
0: Well, hello there. How are you?
1: I am uh, slightly congested, but uh, oh, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll go through the we'll go through the things. So, um, you know, I'm I'm still learning a lot about my job. Yeah, are you? Yeah, it's uh, it's a top secret job.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Shh. All right, top secret. Yeah. Got Even I don't know what I'm doing. Oh. There you go. Um and as I suspected someone's been adding soil to our garden. Really? The plot thickens. Oh dear. Did you hear about the new movie that they're making? It's all about clocks.
0: About clocks.
1: Yeah. It's about time. Mm. That when the the starting on that one needs to be different. So Maybe we'll try again later.
0: Uh, Timing's everything in comedy.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, And purchasing uh, new Apple devices, apparently.
0: (laughs) Actually not. (laughs) (laughs) I was not up at the crack of dawn for that one.
1: Uh, I did hear there's a new store called Moderation. There is? (laughs) Apparently I need it. (laughs) (laughs) They have everything there. Oh, everything in uh-huh. yeah, in moderation. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah uh, ooh, last night my my wife and I watched three DVDs back to back. You did, yeah. Luckily, I was the one facing the TV. Gotcha. Yes. Uh, did you know that crocodiles could grow up to fifteen feet? Man, that's a lot of shoes. Yeah, but most of them only have four. Oh, okay. All right. That's good. Mm. Oh, all right. Let's see here. Um, Do you know that the Science Olympiad has been going on for 40 years? I did not know that. Well, now you do. And I'm sure that you want to know more about that. And I do. Fortunately, we have the wonderful Mr. Dave Bidlowski, to tell us more about it. So here, without further ado, is the wonderful Mr. Dave Bidlowski in the Middle School Science
2: Minute. Hi, this is Dave Bidlowski of K12Science.net, and this is your K-12 Science Podcast. I was recently reading the September-October 2023 issue of Connected Science Learning – published by the National Science Teaching Association. And within this issue was an article entitled 40 Years of Inspiring Students to Explore STEM. What Has Science Olympiad Learned? And it was written by John Lair and Jenny Kopak. And it was particularly interesting to me because I remember when Science Olympiad first began and it was started by a friend of mine, Gerard Poots. And in the article, they said, In May 2024, Science Olympiad, the largest K-12 team science, technology, engineering and math competitions in the United States, will celebrate the 40th annual Science Olympiad National Tournament at Michigan State University, a goal that its founders, Dr. Gerard Poots, Sharon Poots, and Jack Cairns, could never have imagined when they started the national program out of a basement office in Rochester, Michigan. From its humble beginnings, Science Olympiad grew to a community that now encompasses chapters in every state, more than 400 tournaments a year, 53 college alumni chapters, and a program that serves upwards of a million or more K-12 students annually. For a view inside how Science Olympiad works, schools form teams of up to 15 students to compete against each other in a series of developmentally appropriate and standards-aligned events. Within each middle school or high school team, students work in pairs to help their team compete in as many of the 23 events and covering a broad range of content the top teams from each state can earn their way to the annual national tournament. For elementary students, 16 events address four topic areas in a way that meets the wide developmental ranges of this age group. Science Olympiad's upcoming 40th anniversary provides motivation to reflect on why its academic track meet of classroom activities, hands-on challenges, and advanced topics has been successful. And in the article, they shared a few factors that can be applied to any informal program. One, recognition. Students' work and efforts are displayed and recognized in a very public fashion. As part of every middle and high school tournament, there are at least four events that require a pair of students to build a device to a certain set of specifications. These devices are then tested at the tournament in front of their peers, opponents, friends, and family, making successes and failures extremely public. In addition, every Science Olympiad tournament culminates in an awards ceremony where student pairs receive recognition for their achievement in all of the events. This allows students who competed in less public events to have their efforts acknowledged and celebrated. A school's overall performance based on how the student pairs did in each of the tournament's 23 events is also recognized in this ceremony. These combined opportunities for work and achievement to be acknowledged help students become personally invested in learning. Educational research has shown that when students are personally invested in their learning and know it will be recognized, they approach it with a greater degree of diligence and effort. Secondly, personal choice. Students have the autonomy to decide how they want to be involved in the program. With 23 events addressing different content areas and tasks, students have choice in what they want to learn and do. Some may only want to participate in life science or physics events. Others may only want to build devices like planes and catapults or identify objects like trees and fossils. This opportunity to choose their events and activities motivates students to take ownership and responsibility, which ultimately helps improve their learning. With every student typically competing in multiple events, each student pair must determine how much time and effort they want to devote to each event. This freedom to establish their degree of commitment to an event by negotiating with their partner enhances their personal connection to the activity and its outcomes. Third, peer and professional networks. Students' passion and interest in topics is recognized and celebrated by both their peers and STEM professionals. Science Olympiad brings people together to celebrate their passion for and interest in STEM. This is best reflected by the words of a Science Olympiad student who was a junior from a large high school. When asked what she liked the most about her first Science Olympiad session, she replied, that until I became involved in Science Olympiad, I didn't know that other students in my school liked science as much as I did. This sense of belonging is further enhanced by the STEM professionals who mentor and support students participating in Science Olympiad as coaches for teams or by volunteering at tournaments and workshops. And finally, responsiveness. The 23-event structure gives Science Olympiad the flexibility to adapt to changing interests, circumstances, and needs. An examination of the events offered at the first national tournament compared to those of the 40th shows a very different slate. At the very first national tournament, events address content such as the metric system, orienteering, and computer programming in BASIC. Today, Those events have been replaced by robots, epidemiology, and public health, ciphers and cryptography, and criminal forensics. Adjusting and adapting content and approaches of events over time means that even perennial topics like anatomy and physiology, fossils, and chemistry lab stay relevant and engaging to students and STEM professionals throughout the years. Reflecting on the factors responsible for Science Olympiad's lasting legacy in the STEM informal education space, recognition, personal choice, peer and professional networks, responsiveness, it is not surprising that we're embarking on its 40th anniversary. Lastly, it is important to note that nothing would have been possible without the national network of people who love Science Olympiad and have dedicated their time and, in some cases, their entire careers to giving students the opportunity to engage and explore STEM. So let's take a moment to appreciate the foundation that was created by these dedicated individuals. And this has been your K-12 Science Podcast. All right, so let's see here. Um I had four
1: days of work last week. Wow. Because week. we had yeah, because well we had uh MLK Day was on Monday, so right. we didn't have yep. school that day, but had that. You did not have four days of school last week.
0: <laughs> no, we did not. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's been a weird
1: week. Yeah.
0: So yeah, no, we were Go ahead. You you can go. Well, we were, yeah, we had a negative 15 wind chill and, um, they couldn't go out and and we had just the perfect storm or combination of rain to sleet to snow, which turned it into uh, a nice, nice chunk of ice. Uh, the back of my truck is still carrying a uh, skating rink of about uh, an inch thick of ice in the back of my truck. Um, but the, the sidewalks have been about the same. And so none of the ice melt would, uh, crack the, the, uh, the ice on the sidewalks. So we did not have school. Right. Yeah. So, so we didn't even do virtual. Oh, really? Yeah. No, we have, we got approval from the state for 10 virtual days.
1: So what is, is there a plan to do? Why did you not do virtual?
0: I do not know. (laughs) <laughs> it's, uh, i above my pay grade and i'm sure there was a decision i just don't know what it is
1: yeah
0: and then but we we went and, and decided to uh appeal or apply for that's it apply for you have to have a plan in place and it has to be approved by the state and the state department of it and so we did we have 10 now official um virtual days that we can use and uh because last year we lost two days because of uh, some craziness in the community. And um, this year we're already four days short. One of those days was a strike day, not union um, kids struck. And, um, and so we're already four or five days into the year. We got one more for the rest of the year and February is coming.
1: Yeah. So is the, do you think the plan is they're going to go through the five days and then kick in the virtual days?
0: I think so. I think those, they'll they'll go through their six because you're allowed six. And then yeah. uh, day seven will be a virtual. And we'll have to train the kids on what to do and how to get in. But in conversations with the kids, they really don't care if they have school or not. For example, we had, I take it back. When I said we were out four, I take it back. We had five because uh, Friday we didn't make count. Our high school, our high school and our early learnings uh, school did not have heat. And as a result, um, a lot of parents just kept their kids home. So we did not make student count by about 4% is my understanding.
2: Right.
0: And uh, so we technically, we had a, we had a snow day on a day that I went to work. Right. Yep. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, we've got one more. That's it. We have... Our kids and parents will tell us it's a half day. My kids aren't coming because it's just a half day. Right. And not realizing that we do stuff on half days. Yeah. So...
1: That could be a struggle. I, we,
0: it's, a, it's just a community culture. It's the way that the community has decided to handle days right. like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we have... um Two days of um, of weather or to no count days. and then we go to virtual days we've okay. had one so far because of ice <clears throat> okay there was uh, it's really bad ice storm and in fact it was uh, there was a trawler that was um, shipwrecked on. Uh, huh. In Cape Elizabeth, right in the, right up the ocean there, and they decided to, um, they decided to basically uh, destroy it. It it wasn't salvageable, so like have equipment and tearing it apart kind of thing. So hmm. yeah, so last week I did go to an AI conference. Uh, did, did you on, go to the IA conference? I, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or did, did my
0: you stand... avatar? <laughs> right, yeah. Um,
1: it was actually uh, it was a it was a good conference. It was run a little differently than most of the conferences I've been to. There was a uh, a keynote, um, which I'll tell you honestly was was okay. You know, okay, it was good. It was fine. Um, and there was three breakout sessions, three breakout blocks that you could go to different sessions and they switched the first one and the keynote around cause the keynote speaker wasn't there yet, but then she made it. So it was just a quick switch around. So we went to a breakout session. I went to a couple of breakout sessions on um, and getting the district ready, getting policies in place and that kind of thing because mm-hmm. I think that's really important that we decide. Teachers know what they can and can't do um, and they know what the expectation is. The thing is, is teachers are already doing stuff, right? They're not waiting for official word. They're trying things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to one focused on AI in middle school. Oh, cool. Yeah. So
0: So, what are some of the ways that teachers might be misusing AI in schools?
1: Um, the big key is not putting PII in. So not putting personally identifiable information in. Oh, um, okay. Not putting student names and don't put student names in. Don't put student addresses in it. Um, oh. <laughs> there's there's one. Um, there was one teacher who was decided to have AI write behavior plans for them. Oh really. And gave them legitimate um student name, legitimate student number, <laughs> legitimate parent information. It's like
0: use this kid as an example. Uh-uh. Don't don't do that. Oops. No, um, that could be bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you want to have, you know, if you are going to do a behavior, if you wanted to get ideas on how to do a behavior plan. Uh, First of all, try looking at a whole bunch of behavior plans that are out there. There's plenty you can look at. But if you are going to use AI for this, don't use real student names or real student information or anything. You know, be real generic. Uh, You know, there's a student who is displaying this, this, and this. um, So it's uh, adapting to that. Um, and then I'd be very, very careful about having students create accounts and, and, um, and use it because students give away a lot of information as well.
0: Yes, that's true. Yeah. I think, uh, what I was imagining using AI for in the classroom is very different than the examples you were, you were giving. I did not ever think that I would use it to make a student behavior plan right. or do some other things like you're talking about. That's uh that's a twist on it that i had not thought of i because when i think use ai for my classroom, i'm using it to create um like the geography questions um i'm using it
1: it it was one of the biggest um uses of ai that came out was creating test questions
0: I found an H5P video that sh- demonstrates how... First of all, did you know that you can create textual questions inside H5P and it'll convert it into... Like, like in Moodle, it'll convert it into a Moodle uh, question bank. You can then take and convert this into an H5P and you can do it all within H5P. And it's a little simpler. And you don't have to do... There's, I only have to do four clicks to edit uh, for the H5P where there's... A few more steps to edit than in, it in, in BB edit that we did for the for the, the Moodle. Yeah, that was that was bank.
1: really early on though. That was <clears throat> we could probably cut well, that that's true for you too. So right.
0: We probably um, could. Uh but I will say that um the inserting textual questions into H five P is super easy. Uh, you tell it the format you want, just like we did with the Moodle question bank. Right. And it it pops it in. The only thing it didn't do was add in the the hard returns at the end of each line. So like like I said, I put the hard returns at the end of the lines for the answers. And Bob's your aunt, uh, Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. And um, I had an H five P summary um, activity for the kids, and I was I tried it on in the kids last week, and they were like, "This means we have to read." Yes, yes, it means you <laughs> you have to read yes yeah um but they they liked it because they could they gave them you know four choices and they had to figure out which one was closest to what they just read and they're starting to refine how they're reading um and be more um uh, pick up more on the critical information when they have to go down and find that little piece down there and they're the the, the one of the beautiful side effects was that they are ticked when they get it wrong I love that part. They go to the end and they'll say, how did I get 20 out of 23? Well, let's go back and take a look. Oh, you didn't do the summary. Oh, no, you missed all the points on the summary thing. You mean that's important? Yes, that's important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's, a, it's important. Um, and then so now the next ones that I've been doing, they're like, no, no, don't forget. And they'll tell each other, don't forget. You got to do the summary and then read it. <laughs> read it close. Um, so I, it's, that's one of the side Effects of the benefits of this. That's why I was curious as to what you'd gotten out of the uh, the AI conference because I imagine there's more tools like that that so we could we, use. For so
1: yeah, so we did the we did the th- there was the three breakout sessions and then there was also a playground. Oh, and w- there was all different stations set up, <clears throat> and at first I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. There's a lot of people here. But son of a gun, it worked out well. It was I thought the room was gonna to be too small for um the number of people, but it it worked out well. Um <clears throat> there was uh, um a teacher who was presenting on Canva and they they had these large Promethean um displays behind the table. And then there'd be like 10 people or eight to 10 people, probably like 10 people sitting at some tables in front of the person. So it was very small, um, but she couldn't connect to the Promethean. Uh, um, <laughs> yes. And she was just about, you know, and so I said, you know, would you like some help? And she was, she was frustrated. And she said, yeah, i so you know, I tried a couple different, I tried different plugs, hit the settings, and it's like, not not working. So I went and grabbed a dongle out of my bag because I always carry dongles in my bag. Mm-hmm. Um, And switched the dongle out, and ta-da, it worked. But then, of course, her screen was, like, super small, and she was, she was like, ah. it's like, Relax, we'll we'll fix this. So I reset it, recalibrated for her monitor instead of the Promethean monitor, and uh-huh. and then she was able to do it. But I think she was about ready to take her toys and go home. <laughs> so, so you know, um, so I did. She did a thing on. Canva cuz Canva has a bunch of AI tools built into it. Ah, oh. Um Magic School was one of the sponsors and they actually had somebody there. And oh. Magic School has a whole bunch of uh things. Um they have a free version um which is limited and a yes. paid version. And the free version is getting more and more limited. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the way all these are going to go, though. Um, EduAid was another sponsor. Um, But so for the playground, they had like 10 spots, 10 or 12 little groups. And you could just go in. It was very short. And then you switch. So we did four of those. So I think it was, um, might have been 15 minutes. Um, and then you switched, and then you got a token if you participated, and then oh. your token you could throw in at the end, and they drew for prizes. Well, that's cool. It was neat. Um, so I did the playground, and the playground I thought worked 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 really well, <clears throat> and then there was a kind of a summary activity where um, there was nine different topics and everybody would, you'd pick the topic that you wanted to go to. And then at that table, everyone would discuss the topic and create a presentation. And you had to give a no more than two minute presentation per group um, at the end. So it was really neat because there was a lot of interactive, a lot of interactivity, a lot of discussion, and a lot of focused discussion. It wasn't just, you know, random kind of things. So it was it was good. It was an interesting format for a conference, and I think it worked really, really well. So Carl Hooker was there um, and presented. He always does it. I don't know if you've read any of his stuff or... Mm-hmm. Not, he's a he's a very good presenter. He's got a good sense of humor. Um, and so he did. He organized that in part, and then they gave stuff out. I didn't win anything, but eh, you know, such as such as the way of the world. So next time it was really good. I'm still going through. They also shared a lot of a lot of resources, so I'm still going through some resources as well. So, So all in all, very well done. And, uh, you know, it might be something that they end up repeating again.
0: I hope so. Sounds like a good conference.
1: It was. It was the first time that uh, this was a technology director's group in collaboration with Actum, which is like the statewide Mm -hmm. computer users group. Mm -hmm. So... Um, and I think it went really, really well. Uh, right, the other thing that goes really, really well is sometimes is the social web.
0: It does. Um, so I, I put something in the social web that is kind of um regional, but so yes. it might need, need a little explanation. Um, many, many years ago, back when, back when probably was a a teeny bopper uh journey came out with came out with uh um uh, is it keep on believing is that it
1: don't stop believing
0: Don't stop believing that's it you can tell how much journey i listen to which is none um and and in the in the lyrics to the song they made reference to a place that kind of exists but it has a different name
1: (laughs) it doesn't (laughs) exist but okay
0: no, so this is what I thought too. I was always told there is no such thing as South Detroit. I mean, yeah, we laugh. There's
1: yeah, East and yeah, West always. Detroit,
0: but you know, and everybody shouts it right when they when they sing it because it's fun, South Detroit. But apparently, somebody has taken on that moniker.
1: Yeah, it's always, but this is it's always been the case in in the Detroit area. It's always been South Detroit. Oh, you mean this this place
0: yeah so yeah so south detroit is actually they're, they're claiming to be windsor windsor ontario windsor. that's right because if you go south of detroit you get the first city you run into
1: it's why i've always joked that i grew up north of canada
0: yeah so it's true we are the true we are the, the 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 true north strong and free um and so Corey woods posted a video And I put a link in the show notes. It's the city of Windsor Mm -hmm. holding a special ceremony to hoist the Detroit Lions flag uh, yesterday outside the Windsor City Hall to show support for the Lions hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Sunday's divisional round game. Uh, I think it's at 3 o'clock-ish, somewhere in there, um, this weekend. And um, I get the biggest kick out of a Lions flag going up in front of City Hall in South Detroit.
1: There you go. If
0: you ever wondered, there you go. Um, we got some words of the day since you were busy frolicking with the, the AI, there were yeah. some extra words of the day this week. So Susie Dent at Susie underscore Dent words of the day, uh, finfogle or finifogle, uh, from the 19th century word, avoiding the end of something, a box set of excellent books, uh, avoiding the end of sleep, et cetera, uh, because you want it to go on forever. So may your school year be funnifugal. You know, why not hold on to those kids <laughs> forever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a lot, but I hope it is. Um, for anyone who hasn't heard it, to hirkle from the 19th century Scots is to linger under the covers of a warm bed long after it's time to get up. And uh, last week, that's what that was. That was a Herkel Dirkle uh, week. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, word of the day today is actually two today and tomorrow. Uh, word of the day, um, also is a reminder of mubble it's a fit of gloom and despondency, uh, combined with a sense of impending gloom or doom. I can't even read my own show notes today. Uh, essentially, it's the, the, the mubble fubbles are a 16th century equivalent of the Sunday evening blues when you have to go back to work. Um, so there you go, Susie Dent. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Uh Pixelmator uh, team has uh, decided that, that the Photomator and Pixelmator are coming to the Apple Vision Pro starting February second. Hmm. Enjoy all your favorite tools and featured items from Pixelmator. Um, yeah, Pixelmator and, and Pixel uh, Photomator. Sorry, um, the iPad apps on a whole new creative space. We simply can't wait. Uh, learn more on our blog. Uh, oh, yeah.
1: If only we knew somebody who was getting a Vision Pro. If yeah, only if we only did. We knew somebody who was getting one on February 2nd.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> uh, boy, that wouldn't that be convenient, February that 2nd. That would
1: be awesome.
0: It would. That would be really <laughs> awesome. I can to tell somebody. Us, us I can't. The wait other hear, one of us would hear be hear your really jealous. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm watching um, watching some of the things that are coming out related to the Apple Vision Pro, mm-hmm. particularly related to keyboarding. Because you remember the whole, you know, home row keys, tap here, that sort of thing, right? And we'd spend a lot of time teaching kids to type just so they can take state tests on the Chromebooks, right? It's right. a big amount of time. So I was listening to Marcus Brownlee talk about Uh, his experience on the Apple vision pro and somebody said, how is it to type on a virtual keyboard when you get no feedback for your individual fingers? And he says, you have to stop thinking in traditional typing terms. He says, you look at the word and just tap your index finger and your thumb. And it types the word. So literally you look and tap, look and tap, look and tap. He says it is so much faster than the Columbus method of seek, land, find, seek, land, find or seek find land seek find land um wow. or he says even doing it in the traditional home row type of typing and i'm thinking oh my word what if what if kids eventually start growing up with this right and all they want to do is just take their index finger and just look and tap and how fast they could put something together just by looking and in individually single tapping it's going to change the way that we input um text into things and not to discount speech to text but that's a whole nother ball of wax that has to be solved
1: they keep saying speech to text is going to be a thing and i'm like number one i don't see that number two i don't want to talk constantly there there are certain places and times we're sure but i don't want to talk constantly and i don't definitely don't want to talk when there's people around me are you talking to me? Or are you talking to that? <laughs> Why did you say that right. that way? It's like, <laughs> I'm still workshopping here. <laughs> so I think I there's
0: a, I think there's I a group of people speech out there. To text.
1: going to be the overwhelming way that we do text input. So,
0: yeah, they were talking about SISO or CISO, as speech in speech out. Um, I think there is a group of people out there. (laughs) I say this because I'm single. Uh, There's a group of people out there that do appreciate the speech to text uh, features (laughs) and I'll leave it there. Thank you (laughs) at that. Um, But I wonder because if this does take off, is that going to change the way that we interact and interface with some of the things that we do and especially with like AI, you know, and if AI, if we can, it's, it's, it's the Jarvis of Iron Man, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Not nearly as smart yet, but I mean, what happens when everybody can do that type of thing? Now, granted, I can't get Siri to find my podcasts in the morning anymore
1: <laughs> for some reason.
0: She's gone. She's got amnesia, but, um, but imagine if you know you work the kinks up and get the bugs out. What is how does that change the way that we and our kids impact and interact and access information? I think it's gonna it's gonna make a difference. Pixelmator well, just reminded me of that.
1: That's where I think AI and some of the AI stuff that I the, from the conference really comes into play. Is I think a lot of the AI stuff is going to be more tools that are built into other things. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's you know like. GPS is basically art is artificial intelligence mm-hmm. right right <clears throat> recalculating <laughs> you didn't mm-hmm. turn where I told you to turn and now I have to recalculate this so um and and that's just you know kind of one example so, so
0: well by extension there was an update to BB edit this week did you I did, did you update uh, I,
1: I have paid for the update to BB Edit, yes. I buy the pro version of BB Edit. So
0: and and um uh there's a feature now in BB Edit. BB Edit is a text editing program. It's been around for a lot of years. But the newest feature is of course a chat GPT integration. And it's one of the chat, demonstrations
1: Chat GPT um no, uh, it's a panel to ChatGPT. You have to have an account with ChatGPT, and and you have to be paying for Chat ChatGPT in order to do that. It, you it, you have to put the API keys in and things like that.
0: Which which the uh, highly experienced and qualified and talented uh, tech directors on this crew uh, would certainly have and do, as opposed to. Yeah just the simple social studies teachers on this crew, um, yeah. But the example, one of the examples I saw was taking and uh, finding code. And then before running it through, or you could run it through Python, for example, mm-hmm. finding the errors, run it through the BB edits chat GPT and say, so where'd I go wrong? Can we fix this? And it comes up with the fixes for it. And you go back and you just fix it in your, in your Python code. And next thing you know, yeah, it's it's working. It it takes editing code down to minutes as opposed to line by line, mm-hmm. long time to do that. So, I just it's coming.
1: It's coming. I it's
0: coming. i i i. I.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: Um, Richard Byrne, he's I'm been coming to on to yeah, he's, he's, he's a couple things posted uh, here in the past couple of weeks. First of all, he's got a video, two videos. One is Google Bard can be used to create multiple choice and true false quizzes about a variety of topics commonly taught in middle school and high school classrooms. Uh, I think that's great, but I, I like my H five P format uh, a little better. It's, it comes down to preference. And then EduEase, also from Richard Byrne, EduEase is a new AI tool that you can use to quickly convert PDFs into online quizzes. Mm-hmm. And he's got a video to show you how that works. All right. I went back into the... Uh... I didn't go back. They did. History did. <laughs> they went back into the Vast Archive and they found a cartoon from your youth. This one and
1: may that... actually be from my youth, Yes.
0: Um, And they said they don't make cartoons like this anymore and if you click I put a link in the show notes but it's uh, Marvin the Martian and Daffy Duck uh, duking it out in space with unrealistic physics involved Um, but the type of humor that they show is obviously you you would not see anymore and it might be a good conversation or advisory piece pull something out like that and say hey kids used to watch this what do you think now Um, and just talk about it Uh, Marcus Green had an interesting post. Uh, Marcus Green said uh, at Marcus Green at Fostodon.org This amused me. Taken from the LinkedIn feed of John Fila, who describes himself as an an award-winning educator and curriculum coordinator who promotes equitable access to high-quality educational materials and experiences for all learners, end quote. So I throw this. It's a picture. and I, I threw it in here with the link. And it's uh, he says, uh, this is pretty much uh, what my social feed looks like uh, these days, and it's a modified picture of uh, Kellogg's Corn Flakes, mm-hmm. the the cereal box cover with the the uh, the rooster crowing on the front, but across the banner across the top it says now with AI, absolutely, pretty much, yep. yeah, everything's kind of getting that. And AI just A my AI, there you go. The personal AIs will be called A my. <laughs> Um, and AI is, is one of those things that's going to become a strategy, I think, in our classrooms coming up in the future.
1: It is. And one of the strategies that you might want to undertake is developing some good metacognitive questions for students who are learning new material. Um, and there is, this is from Paige Tut. Um. This was actually posted a while ago, but it is still relevant and good. Um, question number one, uh, and remember, this is to help students build that cognitive habit, the metacognitive habits to evaluate new material. And that number one, what stands out to me, what makes me wonder, um, and a lot of places express that as, I notice, I wonder. So they do an I notice I wonder exercise They the right that time. I think Hazel doesn't like this section. So No,
0: something's got Hazel going.
1: Yeah. Uh number two, which parts or terms are new to me and which parts do I recognize? So it's building that um background knowledge and helping them identify key terms or concepts. Um <clears throat> and you can do KWL with that as well. Things that you know, things that you kind of want to know and things that you don't know at all you'd like to learn about it. Number 3, how does this connect with what I already know? Uh, it's making those connections, we know making connections is very powerful in uh how we learn. Number 4, what follow-up questions do I have? Uh and then finally Number five, why is this idea important? So I think teaching kids that structure can be very helpful um, in getting them to do some of the big thinking. All right. um, This next one I thought was kind of neat. And that is Youglish. Hmm. um, Because... um, This is specifically designed for English learners, but I think it could have some additional usage as well. Uh, Did you get a chance to play with this one at all? I did not,
0: but this looks uh, very interesting.
1: So what happens here is you put in a term and it will find that word in a YouTube video somewhere.
2: Oh, I have an idea.
1: So you give it it gives you some context and you hear a uh, a natural you you hear different dialects and different ways of pronouncing it. Um you know slightly different. Um and when you go there you can pick whether you want English, UK, or Australian. And they do have other languages as well. So you could um, use this to learn other languages as well. Mm.
0: Well, that one didn't work. Let's try this one.
1: But they are embedded into... um, um, So they have embedded context, right? It's not just pronouncing that word. It, It does a little bit around there. So...
2: Try
1: another word. Um, I did a few and it worked we, out pretty well.
0: We are so. 0 for three on our three Susie Dent words of the day.
1: <laughs> okay, not surprised there then.
0: That's true, but uh, just uh, we're 0 for three on. So, so it's like it's like uh, doing the speech, uh dictation, uh, speech feature in H5P. There's just yeah. some things it's just not going to do, and that's fine. Yeah.
1: Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So, and again, I just thought it was fun. Um, And because it's in context, it's not just that word. Right? So, all right. You mentioned advisory. And what if I told you that I have uh, an advisory resource for you that is 100% free? Um and has some some good stuff in it as well. And what uh I, what I have found is called the first five, and it's from Ed Tomorrow. It okay. is a free daily resource for teachers. You get the and it's called first five because it's focused on you know the first five minutes of class, kind of the first kind minutes of class, is Okay. That create those relationships make those connections. Um, so it arrives in your inbox every morning at 5. AM there are 18 new activities and ideas each day that focus on classrooms, connections, self-care, care for others, and development of character. Um, and it's 18 because you get nine activities in primary or secondary. Um, and the ideas and resources for building dynamic and trust room relationships within classroom communities. You get to pick, obviously, um, if you want to use one or if you want to use more than one or you know, you just getting the ideas. Um, and they're designed to be short and to create those connections. And it is free. So, you know you check that out. Do you still do advisory? Do
0: well you... so um yes, but no. <laughs> you know so um um I guess the best answer, answer is what happens when the math department takes over the world?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we have somebody at central office that looked at that time period said, Oh, we could use it for this. And it has absolutely nothing to do with advisory, but they still call it advisory because the state likes to see that. So uh, no, we do I during advisory. That's our advisory. Right.
1: So, well, the nice thing about this is these are really super short, so you don't have to have like a whole lot of time set upon set aside for it. Um they're just things you can use. So um all right. Do your kids are you do your kids use emojis at all? Emojis? Yes.
0: Uh probably. Uh they tend to keep those away from me. And uh they've been really good about keeping the cell phones away from me helps that i take them away i guess that's one of the <laughs> things for not letting me see them but yeah. um yeah I yeah. when so, i take them away i'm doing it because i'm required to
1: yes um yeah. and <clears throat> um i use emoji in uh some of my titles in moodle too by the way it's just a visual oh, kind of thing yeah so just the cool. text do that well there's something called emoji kitchen where you can combine two emoji to create kind of a new one Um, and kind of fun. Um, That's cool. You click on one on the left panel and then you click on one on the right panel. And in the middle, you get a uh, mashup of the two. So besides being fun, you could have, you could have fun with, uh, um, even with the kids, was saying, "Okay, what 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 does this emoji mean?" And They're like, uh, "I, Mister McGurk, where'd you get that one?" Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to know that you made it. <laughs> That's um, right, kind of thing. Well, you could, so you could
0: flex your internet muscles and say, mm-hmm. "What, well, is mine." And there's a there's an NFT on it if you want to buy it.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> For the low low cost of. <laughs> Just hit me up with your blockchain account and we'll be okay. Just uh, all I need is your password and your username for your blockchain account and we'll be good. Um, Origin of Everything. This is a PBS Learning Media um, uh, activity and they have a whole bunch of activities and videos. Um, I'm going to link to the one that's main public. You will need the link. You'll need to find the one that's in your state, Um, but it is free because it's PBS, and they have a whole. They have a, um, a variety of activities, and there's going to be more and more coming. They have things like, why is there a minimum wage? Right? Why is there a minimum wage? And then why is it what it is right now would be another one. Um, But you can search for (laughs) – you can search by grades. You can search by subject. um, And since it – you know, you can kind of count on it being school appropriate for – because it's done through PBS. And you get the grades. You get the resource types. They have videos, interactive lessons, interactive lesson plans. Audio, documents, web pages, all kinds of things. Um, and in grades six through eight, they have sixteen thousand and forty-five resources currently, um, and they're they're working on expanding that. So, um, so you might want to check that out. Um. The at archives.gov has a, a new site um which is which is all about um civics and because it comes from archive.gov it is free. Um and they have a bunch of programs, they have some webinars, they have workshops, um <clears throat> And you can sign up for the uh, the student webinars, uh, which I think is kind of a neat uh, example, a neat uh, path to follow. So, kind of see how that goes. And they um, again, they have things you can sign up for, and they're all are absolutely free. I hear Folgers is the best part of waking up and, and... <laughs>
0: that was good. That was good.
1: And an opportunity for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Folgers Shakespeare library in Washington, DC is looking for 25 middle school and high school teachers eager to participate in a two week Institute centered around explorations and conversations of the taming of the shrew and a I think those would be really cool plays to analyze. And the object is that you do two weeks in the summer there. Then in November you do a follow up and you talk about what's your progress, where are you at? What kinds of things are you doing? What worked, what didn't work with your kids? Um, Really cool. The Folger Shakespeare library has some wonderful resources and tools online. I've shown them to my kids in the past and they're like, well, that's Shakespeare. Yeah. There's Shakespeare. Oh, I could do that. Yeah, yes you could. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see. My kids are asked to do some readers theater and then maybe I might have them do just a little um little Shakespeare at the end because um we're going to do some Julius Caesar, I think. And um I think it'd be cool to have that opportunity.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Um, I did find, and I came across this just this morning, so um, I have not fully vetted this, but this looks like some really good stuff. Um, The one that I came across is called Crip Camp, and this is about uh, disabled teenagers and their journey to adulthood and activism. Oh. Um, And this comes from Michelle and uh, Barack Obama um so i got to i got to think it's um um at least somewhat appropriate um again i didn't get a chance to watch it because it was uh something that i just found this morning but you can stream the movie they have the curriculum guides they have several different lessons in there they have discussion guides um, and all of this is free. So of course, when I find that, it's like, well, this one looks interesting, and um, I really think that middle school kids need to need to be aware of other people and the challenges that other people have to that other people face, that they may or may not be facing, um, so that either they can get a sense that you know. Maybe they've got uh, some, maybe they've got a whole bunch of advantages in life, or maybe they're not alone, that other people are going through some of these same things as well, and this is how they did it. Um, but this is from Journeys in Film, and Journeys in Film has a whole bunch of stuff um, that really looks good, so I'm going to have to delve into this a little bit Um And they have some pretty big award-winning people involved. Steven Spielberg, uh, Liam Nelson, um, you know, Liam Neeson. Neeson, um, Mm -hmm. There's – and it looks like they have it by subjects and themes, and it looks like there's a a lot of really good resources here. So I'm going to be delving into that a little bit as well. Cool. All right, um, as teachers, one of the things that uh, is important is we understand kind of um, where things come from, and especially with a lot of the resources that get um, adopted, and a lot of times they're looking for evidence-based. And I found a really neat article on evidence-based and um what does that mean and this is from peter green um who writes over at kermudgeercation yeah. um and he gives you the uh if you want to know what the legal definition is from the government you can find it in title 8 under section 8101 at the bottom of page 129 is a legal
0: (laughs) that's where it was hiding
1: that's where it was hiding that's right Um, so he says right, so you know here's the legalese let's break it down into um, uh, plain English and in plain English there's three definitions that are good for federal funding uh, and two more that just exist (laughs) um so it is it is basically evidence-based means that it shows a statistically significant effect on student outcomes via strong evidence from at least one well defined designed and well done study that's right one study
0: (laughs) wow Uh, the one
1: Number two, shows statistically significant effect on student outcomes via moderate evidence from at least one well-designed and well-done study. Um, Which essentially means that your decent study shows some evidence. (laughs) Number three, uh, shows a statistically significant effect on student outcomes via promising evidence notice promising evidence mm-hmm. from at least one well designed and well done study. So in other words, if it doesn't really work right now, but you think it might in the future, it still still counts as evidence based. So um so be aware um of that. And then he goes on um the, the actual um, research part, they looked at 1,359 programs. Of the programs rated by more than one clearinghouse, only about 30% got similar ratings. In other words, is this program effective? Depends pretty much on who you're asking. Mm. And then he goes into, you know, remember that, for a lot of this, that the only measurement that people use is standardized test. So it's much harder to incorporate skills that are harder to measure like critical thinking, collaboration and social, emotional development. So, um, but interesting. I think it's a good to to know what we talk about when we're talking about evidence-based and, um, if you're on curriculum committees, you want to be familiar with this and uh, kind of have that one in your back pocket. All right. This one is, I'm going to do just a couple of these. This is really, this is, I thought was really just a lot of fun. And this is Japanese manhole covers. Um, Japanese manhole covers are works of art. (laughs) Um, And this is neat because it goes through the process and, how they ended up with these works of art as manhold cover as taking something that is very functional and you know doesn't really do anything, maybe an eyesore, and turn it into something that is um, really cool. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another advisory activity that could come into play is the Restaurant of Mistaken Orders. Japan is a super aging society, right? They are mm-hmm. uh, they're getting very very much uh, skewing to um, been around longer than uh, been around shorter time. And dementia is predicted to affect one in five people by twenty twenty five. So there is um, a restaurant that has been developed where they take uh, people who have dementia and they're the workers. They're the servers and and that. And the idea is to keep them involved. The idea is that people know that there's a possibility that they could get the wrong order or they could get something wrong. So they're going in there with a good attitude about this and they say that, you know, because they're, do- the that the amount of mistakes that they make is actually much lower than they thought it was going to be. And they think that's partially because people have, they have a thing to do. They're part of productive society, you know? Yep. Um, and then at times, you know, they're, the guests and the, um, wait staff are, they're collaborating on, okay, we can do this. Oh, look, we can switch this around. And, um, it just works out really well. And it's again, one of those things I think kids need to see. So, uh, and that would be uh, important is that's a different culture to have a culture translator Mm -hmm. as well.
0: Yeah, that's all part of culture. Um, this is one that I uh, ran across this week that I thought you might find interesting from Access to Culture Translator. Zen Trouble. Now, have you ever gotten into Zen Trouble? spelled Z-Y-N. Uh,
1: I have no idea, but um since I can read ahead, I'm going to say no. <laughs> okay.
0: I have not either. Uh I had a I had a assistant principal who uh had uh what we would now call Zen Trouble, but um yeah. uh yeah. So here's what it is, and, and, and something to look for with, with, with teens and middle schoolers. Here's what Zen Trouble is. It's oral nicotine pouches that are being advertised to teens through influencers. They are far from harmless. What's happening here? Well, Zen pouches contain nicotine powder, not tobacco leaf. Now, to be honest, my assistant principal was using tobacco leaf. Um, other brand names include On, with an exclamation point, and Velo. That means the FDA can't classify them as smokeless tobacco product the way that they would with Dipper e-cigarettes. The classification wrinkle has meant marketing regulations of this product are more lax than they are with similar products. Zinn's other qualities make it an easy habit to conceal. The pouches dissolve under the lip so they don't require spitting. Reporting in the New York Times uh, discusses an entire class of meme-driven accounts on social media that are dubbed Zenfluencers who are advertising Zen products. Hundreds of thousands of young followers seem to to be at least aware of what tobacco pouches are, with sales figures skyrocketing. Many parents, on the other hand, can remain blissfully unaware that Zen pouches even exist because they're in and they're gone. Yeah, I wonder Um, how many I've missed actually. So there you go.
1: Another thing for (laughs) school staff to be on the lookout for, because I know vaping is still a huge issue. um, It is schools. So yeah, I mean, I just talked to. uh, I see the amount of um, amount of products to try to help. Catch kids doing that, and the amount of time, energy, and effort the administrators and teachers are spending is just like, oh, so so great! Just what we need another, another thing. Well, just what you need is another show from Middle School Matters, and you got it. So, mm-hmm. um. You can tell your friends and colleagues about the show. We would greatly appreciate that. Of course, we would love it if you'd head over to the podcast catcher of your choice and give us a five-star rating. Tell us why Sean is the world's greatest co-show host. Um, Send us an email. There's links, all kinds of links and things, and there's all the show notes uh, with things that we didn't get to this week over Mm -hmm. at MiddleschoolMatters.com. So you can check that out. Until next time, this has been Middle School Matters. Middle School Educators Who Care. All opinions expressed on this podcast are exclusively the opinions of the host and guest and not indicative of any employer.